Good afternoon and welcome to this Instagram Live Q&A. My name is Matt Van Winkle with the Iowa State University Alumni Association. Our guest today is one of our more well-known alums. Clayton Anderson is a retired NASA astronaut who spent nearly 167 days in space and was part of five missions to the International Space Station during his career. Before he was in space, however, Clayton received a master's degree in aerospace engineering at Iowa State University back in 1983. He is now a published author, a motivational speaker, and a distinguished faculty fellow in aerospace engineering at Iowa State. And while we uh, bring Clayton on here, please feel free to add comments below. Um, leave your questions for Clayton. He's agreed to answer uh, some questions as we go along here at the end of the program. And I just see that uh, Astro underscore Clay has joined the conversation. So Clayton, go ahead and request to be added on there to the to the conversation, and we'll bring you in. Hey, Clayton. Hey. How are you? I'm good. Sorry, I'm not very good at Instagram. I just gave everybody a quick uh, quick bio of you. You know, just telling people about how many times you've been to space. You were sending me a text. You kind of rattled off how many missions you were on, right? Like it was nothing. You kind of had those memorized. Oh yeah, when you sign enough uh, photographs and stuff, <laughs> it becomes uh, rote memory. I, I see you got a, a a furry friend there. Do you have a, a a pup there? Oh, nice. Yeah, that's Lizzie. Okay. And Lizzie wants to be with people all the time. Oh yeah, I have a golden retriever sitting right next to me. I'm I'm at home right now. Typically, when we do these, I'm at the alumni association, but um, had to be home today and. Looks like you are as well. So thanks for joining us. You bet. My pleasure. So we'll, we'll just go through this like a Q&A. I'll kind of throw you some questions and we will leave some time at the end uh, for some audience questions as well. So um, let's just kind of jump right in, Clayton. Um, when can you first remember wanting to be an astronaut? Uh, the answer to that question is two parts. Uh, my, okay. my recollection, I was nine years old on Christmas Eve in 1968 when uh, mom and dad got my brother and sister and I up uh around midnight on christmas eve to watch the apollo 8 guys go behind the moon for the first time sure um my mother though she would tell you that i was uh six years old and that we would discuss me becoming an astronaut one day and i simply don't remember that part but when before she passed away she told everybody that she could find that that was the story that i was six years old and I was going to be an astronaut one day. So when you when you were a kid back then, what do you what were your vivid memories? You still have memories of watching that, watching them go behind the moon? Uh, yeah, not so much. I guess the, yeah. the biggest memory was watching the control center. You know, sure. you had a bunch of uh, dudes with crew cuts and white shirts and black ties sitting behind these old consoles, but it wasn't the visual so much because we were watching a room on a black and white TV, but it was the yeah. audio, I think, that was the most compelling to me, right? All these people talking and throwing these phrases and, you know, I need a go and all go for translunar injection burn, <laughs> retro, go, surgeon, go, Jeepo, yeah. go, Fido, go, you know, Capcom, yeah. go. Everybody was go. And yeah. you know, as a little kid, I was like, whoa, this is pretty cool. Yeah, man, we're spoiled now, aren't we, with the technology we have and the TV and like they just had the launch last weekend. I mean, it's incredible what they can show now and kind of the behind the scenes. Well, if you think about my 
time on space station in 2007, uh, high definition TV didn't even get to the space station until October of 2007. Cause I remember I was the first guy to test the microphone and the uh, camera wow. uh, for NASA. And now, you know, of course they won't use any of my footage anymore because none of it was high definition. It was all uh, low def. So yeah. Yep. Anything I did on TV, if you see it now, it's pretty crummy footage. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's one for the record books, right? It's, it'll always be in the archives. <laughs> yeah, and I'll That's always kinda... be the first Iowa State astronaut. So That's right. Well, that kind of brings me into my next question. So you grew up in Nebraska, correct? And you decided to, you didn't do your undergrad at Iowa State, but you got, you did get your master's degree in aerospace engineering at Iowa State. Why did you choose, why did you choose to come to Iowa State? Uh, you want the real truthful answer? Absolutely. Uh, because they were going to pay me to go to school there. Um, okay. When I was at Hastings College, I played football and basketball and ran track because it was a small school. And so I had ample scholarship money so my parents didn't have to pay. Mm. Um, and then, to be truthfully honest, I looked at Iowa State. I looked at uh, Georgia Tech in a, near Atlanta or in Atlanta, and I looked at Washington University in St. Louis, and which, and then I looked at Missouri Rolla, which I think is now Missouri Science and Technology or something like that. But all of them were hugely expensive, especially Washington University and Georgia Tech. Said, "Well, if you want to come to school here, you have to be an undergraduate for a whole year." And an undergraduate meant I would have had to pay, I would have had to live, I would have had to, you know, it was just right. too much. So I went to Iowa State and they told me, hey, we're having an issue here that we have a lot of foreign graduate students whose command of the English language is not as good as we'd like. And you're an English speaker. And so we would like to offer you a research and then a teaching assistantship. Uh, so, hey, um, it was a great engineering school. Uh, I was getting paid to go do it, and uh, I was also a research assistant my first year and then a teaching assistant my second year. So it just made sense. Um, and I didn't really look around the country, right? I didn't look at MIT and Caltech. I, yeah. I didn't think I had any business going to those schools or being in those schools. So that's why I chose Iowa State. Well, and Iowa State has really become one of the top engineering programs in the country. I don't know. What, what the reputation was back then, but what did you, what did you learn in your time there um, in aerospace engineering that really you, you, still, you still applied to, to your everyday life today or even in your life as an astronaut? I learned that I didn't know very much. Okay. Uh, you know, I came from a physics background at Hastings College, and when I got to Iowa State, I was lost. And uh, I, I worked really, really hard um, to, to just keep my head above water. And uh, <laughs> the fact that I actually graduated with a degree is pretty amazing to me because the mm -hmm. students that were at Iowa State in the undergraduate level and then mm -hmm. some of the grad students were amazingly talented. They were really sharp. Uh, a lot of yeah. the international kids, they took as undergraduates in their home countries, they used the textbooks and the information that we were taking as graduate students so they were way ahead of us uh they always blew the curve out of the water <laughs> so i was struggling to just stay in the game and be normal so uh when i was able to uh graduate and get a degree i was <laughs> beside myself actually <laughs> yeah sure um so when you think about 
going back to all that time, uh, remind me of the year when you actually became a candidate for the NASA space program. When, what year was that? That was 1998. 1998. Uh, about this time, actually. Okay. And tell people how long it actually took you, how many tries it took you to get into the program. Well, it uh, took me 15 years. You know, when I left Iowa State in 1983, I wasn't really eligible to be an astronaut. Um, I had made my application in 83, mm -hmm. uh, but I was lacking a couple years or a year of work experience because I didn't have a PhD. PhDs get carte blanche. Once they get their PhD, they're eligible. Uh, but a master's degree, you had to work at least a year uh, to be considered of the equivalent of a PhD such that you could apply. So I applied early, uh, of course, was didn't get any feedback then. Uh, but it would take 13 applications before I even got a sniff from the selection committee that they were interested. Wow. I didn't get picked in that year. Uh, year 14, they didn't select astronauts. And then year 15, I got interviewed and was able to, to uh, get selected. So so never give up. That's what you tell people. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, applying to be an astronaut's easy. It's getting selected yeah. hard and right. Uh, and it needs, you need luck, some good timing. And uh, I, I, I don't know what else, maybe uh, <laughs> the hand of God. <laughs> so, so what was it? What was it about you? Did they tell you why you were, why you ended up getting chosen? Like what makes, what <laughs> qualifications did you need to qualify to be an astronaut? Uh, that's a hard, well, the first year I got interviewed when they, I didn't get selected, you know, sometimes mm -hmm. little birdies give you feedback. Um, sure. I would hear that the committee wasn't convinced that I had a great technical background, which, you know, okay, whatever. Mm -hmm. So when I went in then in year 15 to do my interview, I was a little better prepared in that I was going to make sure they knew about my technical background, what I had done at NASA technically over the years. Did, did that make a difference? I don't know. Um, I think the fact that uh, at NASA, I had moved from uh, a technical aerospace space flight shuttle station type job, and I'd taken a new job as the director of the Emergency Operations Center, which meant now I was responsible for bomb threats, terrorist activity, uh, hurricane prep preparedness, uh, fires, uh, health emergencies, all that kind of stuff. And I did that for two years. And that was what I was doing the year I got selected. And okay. I, I guess that just gave me a different visibility to other people. Great. So you do so you get accepted into the program. And then how long is it until you actually um, are on your first mission? Oh, God, <laughs> uh, I got selected in 98 and flew in 2007. So the math okay. a long damn time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you you are one of the unique people in this in the world, really, that have been able to be in space. Can you explain to people what that feeling is like? Uh, zero gravity is the ultimate. Um, I tell people I was Superman every day. I flew to breakfast and then I flew to work. And if I needed a break, I went flew into the bathroom and I flew while I was going to the bathroom. So. <laughs> That is the ultimate to me is, is zero gravity. Sure. What do astronauts do when they're on the International Space Station? Like what, what's a typical day like? What are, what are some of the things that you would do? 
well, the joke says you go to the space bar. <laughs> um, but we, you know, I was the only American. There were two Russians with me for most of my time in 2007. Okay. And so... I was responsible for everything on the American side. I was the medical officer. I was the science officer. I was the maintenance guy. Uh, I was the robotic arm operator. I was the lead space walker. Um, every day was different, which that's kind of cool. Uh, there were a lot of mundane tasks that you did on a regular basis. Um, and you were supposed to clean the uh, space station every Saturday. Um, and so some of it was mundane, but most of it was unique and different. And, and the activities that we had going uh, the big things like our first spacewalk, and then we're going to move a module with robotic arm. We're going to have a crew visit from Earth, and then uh, a Russian Progress was going to come and deliver stuff. It was all spaced out really nicely, so I was never really bored. Sure. Um, you kind of became, I know, kind of known for your space selfies, right? I know you took a lot of pictures up there, right? I did. Um, <laughs> I'm not the first, right? Buzz Aldrin, he claims yep. he's the first to do a selfie. And he is. Uh, I think I have the best selfie ever because I was on the robotic arm, the Canadian robotic arm, mm -hmm. being flown by a Russian. And we had just thrown away an 1,800-pound tank of ammonia so that it would eventually, a year and a half later, burn up in the Earth's atmosphere. And here I was flying back. He was flying me back to the point on the space station where I was going to continue the spacewalk. And as we flew across... The sun was behind us, and it threw my shadow on the solar array of a Russian Soyuz. And I had a camera with me, and so I just happened to whip the camera out, and I captured this great picture of my shadow on a Russian Soyuz solar array while I was on the Canadian arm in the middle of outer space. So I think that's the greatest selfie ever taken. You also got to do some other cool things. You got to kind of interact with students uh, in classes, right, back in the States? Yeah, we did a lot of that, and we also did it by ham radio. And uh, when we did it by ham radio, that was kind of cool. Um, it's it's too short, though, because, yeah. you know, the pass is short. And so you have these kids rushing up with questions. But it's still <laughs> a fun thing to be able to talk to kids, uh, whether you're doing it on the ham radio or through the other space station communication assets. Sure. Well, um, I know a lot of people are interested in space recently because of the SpaceX launch that was pushed back, I know, due to weather to Saturday, but um, would love to get your just your thoughts on how everything went with that um, and just about the overall mission that they're that they're up there for. Well, I think everything went, went very, very well. Um, I think the spaceship's pretty incredible. I told people that um, when I saw the spaceship that they were traveling to the station in, it looked like a Tesla 2020 Roadster, and, <laughs> and it told me that I got on to a 1972 Ford pickup that took me into space. Uh, the advances in technology, the suits, uh, advances in technology for the suits and the helmets, all that stuff was pretty amazing. And the fact that um, it was an automated rendezvous and docking is also very important. Um, it, it, he did, don't bet against Elon Musk. He did a great job. SpaceX did a great job. Uh, I look for more impressive stuff from him in the future. Times have changed back when you were watching that, that mission when you were what, six years old to now, huh? <laughs> yeah. well, even the control centers are different. You know, it's, it's full yeah. plays and um, you know, everything's live and, and anybody can talk to the crew and, it's just incredible. And, and if NASA wasn't NASA, 
you know, NASA updates very slowly, right? Because everything has to be tested and checked. And a guy like Elon and SpaceX, they kind of do it quicker because they're a little more aggressive. They're, they're not government. Uh, they right. can try some things that are different and get to results faster. And I think that will be a benefit to uh, the United States and its space program. One thing that I was curious about, Clayton, was that um, about the timing of the la between the last launch, because I think it was, was it 2011 was the last launch from the U.S.? Was it nine years ago? Why, right. why, so, why so long? Uh, why did it take so long for us to get back into space? Well, I have three Ds, Clay's three Ds of spaceflight, difficulty, danger, and dollars. And mm -hmm. all three of those things uh, manifested themselves in getting SpaceX or Boeing to be able to bring uh, American astronauts to the station. So you saw Boeing had an issue with their last test flight, and that made them have to go back and fix it. And now they have to redemonstrate. Uh, SpaceX didn't have that issue, but before that, they had an explosion on the pad. They had a cargo vehicle explode in space. So the danger and the difficulty of spaceflight means that you can't cut corners. You have to be uh, diligent such that you maintain the safety of the astronaut crew. It's easy to send cargo to space. Yeah. But when you put humans on the top of that cargo, it makes the game a lot different. Sure. You've turned your experience as an astronaut into some books, I know. So talk about why you decided to write those books and tell us about your one that's coming up here later this year. Well, Letters from Space will be my second children's book. It's to debut in September of 2020. I really hope that the virus is over so I can go meet people yeah. and see the kids and take pictures with the families and sign the books. We'll just have to see how that goes. But uh, I became an author because I had a friend who was an author. Her name is Nevada Barr. She writes mysteries and she's been very, very successful with multiple New York Times bestselling entries. Uh, and she said, I should write a book and I should write a murder mystery in space. And I told her, well, I'm not really up for that yet. And so I tried my hand at, at a memoir called The Ordinary Spaceman, and I wrote that, and it published in 2015. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think it's pretty good. It's very different than the typical astronaut memoir. Uh, it's been quite successful given that we had a very small publishing company that published it. So uh, I would encourage everybody to go to astroclay.com, and you can pick up a book there, and I'll even autograph it for you. Great. Perfect. So I know you, that you still are a distinguished faculty fellow for the aerospace engineering program here at Iowa State. Talk about what the work you're doing here at Iowa State and helping uh, future astronauts here. Well, um, the first thing is, is we have a space flight operations workshop that I designed uh, with the help of Tor Finseth, who was a, a graduate student at Iowa State. And that uh, has happened for seven straight years until the coronavirus canceled it for this August. Mm -hmm. So sure. um, in that, we bring kids uh, to campus from all around Iowa, actually, and Nebraska. Mm. Uh, it started as just an Iowa State thing, but we've expanded it to include engineers and educators. And this would be our seventh straight year. And the kids that come, they uh, get their scuba certification. They jump out of an airplane. They fly an airplane flight simulator. They do virtual reality and fight a fire on the International Space Station uh, virtually. Uh, and then they do uh, survival training in the woods. So it's quite unique. It's quite fun. Uh, we're trying to teach them to think more operationally. And that's pretty exciting. And then there's a 
water tank in Howell Hall in the basement that I'm trying to convert into a neutral buoyancy lab where the kids can actually get in scuba gear and go into the tank and do um, astronaut-like activities uh, in a simulated weightless environment. So we're using it now for drone activity. Uh, it hasn't been certified yet for humans, but we're getting very, very close. And we hope to have uh, do some really cool stuff with that in the near future. I'm, I'm glad you brought up the tank at Howe Hall and how you guys are hoping to use that. But somebody asked us a question. They, they say, is it true you lived underwater? Uh, actually, I did. I lived underwater. <laughs> uh, it's called NEMO-5, the National Ex or NASA Extreme Environment Mission Operations. And I was mission number five. And we lived in a place called the Aquarius Habitat off of Key Largo, Florida. Uh, and I lived there for 14 days underwater, which actually was pretty cool. And it was an analogous uh, training ground to the space station. So NASA looks for unique ways to train astronauts and put them under stress and see how they behave and yeah. see what they can do. And so that was a really cool one. I enjoyed it very much. Uh, another question we got was, uh, what's your favorite memory from your time at Iowa State and in space? My favorite memory at Iowa State, uh, I would have to say we did a student faculty softball game in the aerospace engineering department where we took, well, it was graduate students, but most of them had never played softball before or baseball. And so we got the instructors to play on one team and then I got all the grad students to play on another team. And it was a blast. I mean, it was incredible to watch those guys that had never played before and see them laugh and smile. And, uh, and then the interaction with the students and the professors was incredible as well. So I guess that was probably my best memory. Very cool. Um, what, what advice would you give to somebody out there? Maybe it's a kid watching, maybe it's somebody that's always thought about space in some capacity. What would you give, what advice would you give to somebody who is wanting to be an astronaut? Uh, I would start with, I'd give them four things, basically. The first thing is you have to have a dream. And if your dream is to be an astronaut or an NFL football player or a doctor or a teacher or a lawyer, you just have to have that dream. And number two, you have to persevere in your pursuit of that dream. Uh, you know, it takes hard work. It takes luck. It takes good timing. But you have to put yourself in position to be successful. Number three is really important. You don't have to be a genius. You know, people say, oh man, astronauts are so smart. And most of them are, but hey, I'm from Ashland, Nebraska in the Midwest. And if I can do it, any of the kids out there can do it. They're just like me. And number four is you have to be proud of who you are. And what I mean by that, it's pretty important and pretty prevalent in this day and age that who you are, what you believe, uh, what you're, uh, makeup is, you know, just be you. Don't let anybody tell you you can't be you. Um, and that's really important. Uh, I don't try to be someone I'm not. I don't try to come off as a, an intellectual genius and an arrogant astronaut. I'm just me. I'm clay. And I got lucky. I worked hard. I put myself in position. But man, I needed a lot of luck and a lot of good timing to be able to become an astronaut and then go into outer space. But when I got that opportunity, I busted my butt to be the best one I could be, given the talents and the capabilities that I had. So those four things, have a dream, persevere, uh, you don't have to be a genius, and then 
be true to who you are. Those are four important things that will take you a long way in any endeavor that you want to do. That's great. Uh, another question came in. Did you learn any Russian, Russian while you were in space? Да, конечно. Я могу говорить по-русски каждый день, но мне нужно много практиковаться, потому что я не увижу русских людей здесь, в Хьюстон, Техасе. Houston, Texas. I caught that. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. That's... So you, I'm guessing. I'm guessing you probably made some friends up there. Oh, I love. I loved Russia. I love my the people. Um, you know, the trips there were arduous, uh, but for the most part, they were good. Uh, it's something that I will always cherish. You know, the people that trained me in Russia were amazing. Um, I wish my one regret is I never got to go back after my mission and say thank you to all those wonderful people. So if any of them are out there um, and and they see this sometime, I, I love them. I'm, I'm dedicated to them. I owe them my life. Great. Well, Clay, we want to we want to thank you for your support of Iowa State and the Alumni Association as a life member of the Alumni Association as well. Uh, and I know you still stay connected, I'm sure, with Iowa State and uh, the athletics department. I know your son played football here, correct? Yes, he did. He is now uh, a, a working person in uh, Omaha, Nebraska. So, great. Um, yeah, he's fending for himself these days. That's great. Well, we hope to catch up with you soon. Oh, wait, we did get one more question here before I forget. Uh, did you ever launch with a Russian or only with the space shuttle or only on the space shuttle? Uh, I launched twice on the space shuttle. Um, uh, STS-117 was in June of 2007, which is what, almost 13 years ago uh, coming up. And then I came home on STS-120 on the shuttle Discovery. I would go back to space in 2013 or 2010 on uh, STS-131 and Discovery. I'd come up and down. But I did get to get into a Soyuz that was docked to a port on the International Space Station, uh, a bottom-facing port, and we undocked, so the three of us, two Russians and me, Oleg, Fyodor, and Clay, we undocked and we flew around to the back and we redocked, so I got to put on my Russian Sokol suit, I got to fly in the Russian Soyuz, I just didn't launch or land in it. Cool. I just wanna read you a couple of the comments here. Uh... Kate says, love hearing your story. Thank you. And Shelby says, A is for Astronaut is the book I give to all new parents to read to their children. Thank you for writing it. So um, My pleasure. And if you like A is for Astronaut, you're going to love Letters from Space, too, I think. Uh, quickly before we go, too, just, just tell us a little bit more about that book and uh, what people can expect from it. Well, uh, Letters from Space is is not quite as for astronaut is a stretch book right little mm -hmm. kids can look at the pictures then they can read the poetry for each letter but then there were sidebars that gave kids as they grew and as their skill set to read grew uh, more details and more nuances about what each letter represented letters from space is based on uh, email traffic from earth to me and my responses back so sure. they're based based in truth with a little bit of fun and then we also have some science involved so the kids that read them are gonna i hope they're gonna laugh uh, they're gonna love the illustrations. susan battery from budapest hungary is the illustrator and they're gonna love those uh 
astro clay drawings because now I'm featured in a children's book. <laughs> That's awesome. And yeah. I know I, I've seen your book. Uh, if people are in Ames, I know they do sell those at the bookstore. So if you're back on campus, when, the, when campus is back up and operating, I believe I heard the bookstore might be, might be soon to open. So uh, if people are in Ames or if they're back visiting campus, it's a great place to find it. So Yes, yeah, so we're also uh, trying to set up something. There's a children's toy store downtown in Ames on Main Street, and uh, they're yeah. interested in posting me for a book signing. So we're hoping mm -hmm. that'll work. Well, the questions are just coming in now, so we might as well just get through a couple more if you have time for us. Sure. Um, do you have any advice for people interested in working for NASA as a flight controller or working in flight testing? Uh, I don't know much about flight test. You know, I know that the guys, the two guys that just flew up on the SpaceX Dragon are military test flyers. One's a pilot, one's a, a backseater in the Air Force. And so they have a test flight test background. And that's an important skill set to have if you want to work in flight test for NASA. Uh, flight control, hey, go for it. You can do, I mean, the, some of the flight controllers come from an amazing list of varied backgrounds. Mm -hmm. Some tech, well, most of them are technical, but, you know, you just have to be a good study. You have to be able to learn and they can teach you what you need to know to be a good flight controller. Um, it helps to uh, think operationally. So our space flight ops workshop, would be a great thing for you. If you can get in, it's competitive to get in. Mm -hmm. uh, but also you want to talk to people like uh, Iowa State University's former space station flight director, Tomas Gonzalez Torres, mm -hmm. who was a former flight controller who became a flight director and now teaches also at Iowa State. So uh, just as plug for us, I think Iowa State's the only institution in the United States and maybe in the world that has a retired flight director and a retired astronaut on their faculty. Very cool. Uh, another question just came in. What was the most interesting thing when you were in space? What was the most interesting thing maybe you saw while you were in space? Oh, there's lots of interesting stuff. I remember my first moonrise when I was out doing my first spacewalk took my breath away. Uh, when you capture your first iceberg uh, on a photo mm. and clear and you can see it's an iceberg from 250 miles up, that's pretty neat. Same thing when I captured a shot of the Egyptian pyramids. Um, wow. You know, Oleg told me, Clay, just look for the white spot, aim for the white spot and take pictures. And so I looked for the white spot and I fired my camera a hundred times. I went back and popped the uh, memory card in the computer and pulled up a few photos and boom, there was one. I caught it. It was in perfectly in focus and it was the three pyramids. You could even see the Sphinx wow. and it's, ah, that's a pretty cool moment. You know, taking yeah. a great photo from space is pretty fun. That's really cool. Well, it looks like that's all the questions we have. So Clay, we really want to thank you for joining us today and thank you to everyone who tuned in. We also want to remind people that the Alumni, Alumni Association membership is open to everybody. You don't just have to be a graduate of Iowa State uh, like Clayton and myself are. So if you do have more information about, or if you want more information about becoming a member of the Alumni Association, please do visit our website, isualum.org. So Clay, thanks again for taking some time for us today and uh, hope you're doing well and hope your family as well and continued health and, and well-being to you. You bet. Same back to you. And I'm ready for America to open up in Iowa right. as well. So thanks for having me. Let's do it again sometime.